Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Blazer Victory Podcast. John Duncan here, and of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Darian Smith. Darian, can you believe this is episode 100 of the Blazer Victory Podcast? Oh, I did not know that. 100. One zero zero. I can't believe we've done 100 episodes, you know, these last couple years, like, you know, dating back to my days with Steve. Like, we just we just want to thank you guys. If you were listening to us right now, thank you so much for supporting the Blazer Victory Podcast, listening to us, subscribing to the show, sharing us with other UAB fans. We just you know, really, really just want to say thanks. Like I never thought, you know, number one, we'd get to 100 episodes, but this quickly. But man, it, it just seems surreal that we've already done 100 episodes of the Blazer Victory podcast. And I hope we do. You know, I hope, I hope we've got another thousand or so, you know, to come in our future. Right. Um, I, I think that in that 100 episodes is important because it helps add added attention onto the program with some good, thoughtful analysis and Hey, shouts out to you for your grind and work that you put in for more media coverage. There's so many UAB uh, fans that wanted more media coverage. Just what can what can I do to listen and hear something, you know, UAB related? And I'm glad that uh, you started this platform and allowed us to be able to feel, really fill in the void, but not just fill it in just because it was a void, but to actually put some real content out there, you know, some real thorough content. So shouts out to you, John. Like I tip my hat to you. Hey, shout out to you, man. I appreciate you joining the show and help helping me build this even more. Um, you know, going forward. Um, do we have any more last thoughts on Rice, or do we just just want to put that to bed? Because you know, we did we did the instant reaction Saturday night. Not gonna lie, you know, we've gotten a lot of feedback. It was a very fiery episode. And hey, I don't know about you, Darian, but I still stand by hundred percent what we said in that episode. Two hundred percent. What we say, yep. what we say is what we mean. We're we're grown men, you know. So we we meant every word that we said. I hope I hope that you know players and coaches were able to hear it because it's a challenge. Is what it is. It's what mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a challenge, and it's kind of I kind of feel like we are able to bridge the gap between fans and what we are feeling here to the program. Um, and I, you know, it's kind of like a a direct line. So. I hope they feel that we care. Like right. And so that and that and that's the that's the main thing. If it's any last thoughts, is I want them to know that we probably don't have as many fans as some of these P five programs. I think we're still growing. But at the same time, we here at UAB, we care deeply. Right. We do. Like and um when you perform like that, not not the physical not 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 what you do physically. I'm talking about the the silly, stupid stuff like, mm-hmm. you know, the the cheap shots and the the taunting and the back to back the back holding like all of that stuff is it's kind of a reference. And we know that the players care. They care more than anybody. We know that the coaches care. It's their livelihood. But when you put that out there on the field. It 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 comes off as 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 if you're not caring in the moment. You're you're caring about winning a what 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 kind of battle was it? A tongue war. You you're caring about just showing up your opponent. You you got rattled, you know. And we don't. We, that's not what we're for, you know. what I'm saying care about winning first. Care about dominating your opponent. Then you can talk to them. Then you can let them know all you, you want to. Mm-hmm. But 
but show us the fans. I mean, because we it was the fans that got this program back. It's the fans that come and support and show we didn't give money and buy season tickets. It's don't don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. That's the most important part of it all. So the fans help give players opportunities. The fans help give help give coach opportunities, coaches opportunities to feed their families. You know, it's entertainment at the end of, at the end of the day. You know, so we just want to. We don't mind losing. We don't mind turnovers. They had that's part of the game, like interceptions, fumbles, whatever. But please, guys. Like, don't ever put that out. What they what they put on the field Saturday against Rice. Let's not repeat that again. We if we lose, win, lose, or draw, this 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 fandom will be behind you guys. Definitely. And hey, we know the coaching staff, the players, they work their butts off all week, all year long, really. You know, going back to Falcon, going back to spring practice. Like, we know they put the work in and you know to get to, you know, try to get to that Conference USA Championship, which is the goal for this UAB program year in and year out, is to win a Conference USA Championship game. But what we saw Saturday night, Darian, was not a Conference USA Championship performance. And I think the coaching staff knows that. I think the players know that. And <laughs> we're just going to try to turn that page again. You know, that's what we said after right. the Liberty, after the Liberty loss. And, you know, hey, Liberty was a whole nother story. You know, there were four turnovers. It was mon- it was a monsoon, whatever, different things. But, yeah, definitely looking forward to turning the page again this Saturday because we've got a really good Middle Tennessee team coming in Saturday uh, to protect the stadium. Um, but if you guys somehow missed the Rice game recap, go back in your feed to episode 99, the episode right before here. Listen to it. It's only about 17, 18 minutes long. Get your frustrations out with us. And let's move on to Middle Tennessee. And speaking of Middle Tennessee, um, in a few minutes, we are going to roll our interview that we had with Sam Doughton, who's the staff writer for Middle Tennessee Athletics. Um, give him a follow on Twitter at SJ Doughton and also check out his work on GoBlueRaiders.com. Uh, it was a fantastic interview. Can't wait for you guys to hear him uh, talk a little bit about the Middle Tennessee program. But let's talk about this team. Uh, Middle Tennessee, <laughs> this is a team that if, if you somehow um, slept through a couple weeks ago, uh, they not only, you know, it, it wasn't a fluky upset where they beat Miami. They just straight up. <laughs> they won them. the game. They did <laughs> by 14 points. Like they, like, they looked like the better team the whole way through. Like, there was no doubt right. in that game. Like, you, you know, sometimes when you see uh, a quote, a quote-unquote G5 team upset, a quote-unquote Power 5 team, whatever. Like, sometimes it's some fluky stuff or whatever. No, Middle Tennessee straight up went to Miami Gardens in Hard Rock Stadium and just took it to them. And, I mean, we're talking about 98-yard touchdown passes, 60-yard touchdown. I mean, just straight up just beat Miami down. Um, but but Middle Tennessee, you know, they come into this game 3-2 uh, and two overall. Uh, their three wins are over, as I mentioned, Miami, uh, Colorado State, and Tennessee State, uh, FCS team. Uh, but they do have two losses, and that was last Friday night to the UTSA Roadrunners and week one against James Madison. Now, UAB has played Middle Tennessee eight times, and the series is split four and four. Both teams, or both programs have won four games each. So, I mean, there's a lot on the line this Saturday afternoon in Protective Stadium uh, between Middle Tennessee and UAB. 
and that game will be at 2.30 p.m. Central Time. We hope that everybody can make it out to Protective Stadium. It's homecoming. It's the Children's Harbor game. You know, you get to wear their special uniforms with the patients' names on the backs of the jerseys. I always love seeing that, so definitely hope everybody listening can make it out to Protective Stadium this Saturday afternoon at 2.30. But if you can't, you can watch it with our old buddy Stadium. You know, we seem to be on Stadium a lot uh, this year. Yeah, hopefully we're done with this crap um, as we go into the <laughs> AAC next year. But, yeah, you can watch us on Stadium if you can't make it out to uh, Protective Stadium this Saturday. But, I mean, Darren, what are some more just general observations that you have with this Middle Tennessee team just kind of watching film and what you've seen so far? Yeah, the the obvious um, standout is their quarterback, um, Chase yes. Cunningham. Um, dual threat guy put, he put up, he's put up big numbers all year. No minus James Madison. Um, he's put up numbers against every team. You know, he, he makes good decisions. Um, they have solid weapons out at at receiver. Um, I just think that, you know, their offensive line is, uh, if you want to look at a weakness on their offense, it's going to be their offensive line. And I think they try to, they try to make up for that, you know. If you see, if you watch the UTSA game, you'll notice, especially in the beginning, a lot of quick passes. Like you know, um, UTSA had a good defensive line; they got after them, mm-hmm. but they were getting the ball out two seconds. You know, they were they were getting it out, and um, I think that we have had experience with that um, with the the with the Rice team we just faced, and with Georgia Southern. They were the same way, and then we have experience. We 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 played against Caden Salter for Liberty. Mm-hmm. I'm at the point where our defense. I'm not worried. No, Reeves is <laughs> gonna have them ready. No, Reeves is gonna have because them ready. our defense is 100. percent We we we've been through a lot of um, dynamic players in different play styles. We face in Middle Tennessee is a like explosion style offense. Mm-hmm. Um, they can they can they can strike big on you. But we faced that. We've we've performed well against that. We've performed well against ball control. We've done it all. Quick passing. We've we've done well against running. I whatever it is, David Reeves in his defense, MVP. Like yes. the game plan has always been phenomenal. They've always rotated well and um gotten fresh players in when they're supposed to. Even when they've gotten the short end of the sticks in a lot of these games, they've come back and they've responded really, really well. Um, so it's we have a good balanced team on defense, man. You can't ask for our defensive backfield, our linebackers, and our defensive line. Like I, I think our defense is the best in conference. So um, I think we will do a good job of containing Cunningham. I think we'll do a good job. I, I, I would, I would like to see us get after him. Mm-hmm. No, I, I know we've been doing good, but I think I think we have the corners and safeties to hold up in coverage, and I think we need to get after him because it seemed to me, from what I saw, is um, when he the less time he has to throw, the less time he has to make these decisions, it's harder on him. But if you give him some time, he can pick you apart. Mm-hmm. If you give him if you give him enough time, so I would I would come after him. I would I would dictate the game. And I would make him make big plays. Now, he was able to do that against Miami. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. they were able to do that against Miami, and that's cool. I don't, I don't, we're not Miami on defense, uh, so that's how I see it. With what you think, John? One hundred percent agree with you, Darian. Like, so this this offense, you said it best. They are an explosive big play offense. So UAB's defense is going to have to limit the big plays. They're going to give up some. It's just the nature of the beast with this kind of air raid type style offense uh, that uh, Stock still runs at Middle Tennessee. Um, but you 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 hit the nail on the head, Darren. Their weakness on that offense is their offensive line. And you know, I, I was talking with my buddy Jared Kalmus um, from the Alamo Dome Audible earlier this Monday morning, and you know he you know he does a great film story film study uh, for his Patreon for Alamo Dome Audible. Um, and he he was telling me that he was very unimpressed with the Middle Tennessee o- offensive line. You know, uh, so what UTSA did is they only <laughs> really put three guys up front. Uh, on that defensive line for UTSA, and they were able to put pressure on him pretty much the whole game on Cunningham. So um, definitely, you know, there's a lot of inexperience on that Middle Tennessee offensive line. Now, in our interview with Sam, you know, he'll allude to that they have gotten a little better over the year. But, I mean, honestly, you know, I I agree with Jared, and, you know, I agree with you, Darren. This is not a great offensive line. And really, our defensive line with Fish, with Fairbanks, with Forte, I mean, those – and Kelly Sanders – those guys will need to put pressure on Cunningham and make him uncomfortable in the pocket. And, you know, as you were alluding to earlier, Cunningham does, he does look for the deep ball a lot, but he can also hit you with his legs. You know, he, he even showed on that UTSA game. He's not afraid, but even with a knee brace and all, he's not afraid to take off and scramble around to, you know, get 10, 15 yards. So UAB will have to kind of spy and get ready, you know, for that aspect as well. But most importantly on the defensive side of the ball is putting pressure on him and not giving up the explosive plays. Because when you look at that Miami game and, you know, Colorado State game, they were a lot, especially the Miami game, they were able to hit explosive play after explosive explosive play and just kind of put Miami, you know, Miami blinked and they were down by, what, 21, 24 points. So right. this is an explosive air rate offense. But I think our defense is up to the challenge, man. You know, like we face yes. this. Hey, this might be the best offense we've faced. But we face some pretty good offenses, you know, going back last week to Rice with, you know, kind of ground to pound multiple. But then you look at kind of an air raid ish with Georgia Southern or well, not really air raid, but kind of just spread it around, chunk it um, and Liberty, as you mentioned earlier, with Assaulter. So I, I think I, I, I agree with you. I'm 100 percent confident that Coach Reeves will have a game plan for slowing Cunningham down. And I am 100 percent in trust with our corners just kind of being playing man coverage the whole game you know if if they need to and just bring pressure on Cunningham if our front three can't get to him blitz Wilder or blitz Tyler Taylor you know kind of put some pressure on him to force Cunningham into making some quick reads and you know you look at Cunningham's numbers you know 120 for 176 uh passing attempts he's thrown for 1300 yards already eight touchdowns just through five games I mean, this guy is good, um, and you know he's he he's probably going to be one of the best quarterbacks UAB faces this year. Um, I mean, I, I think you know Frank Harris at UTSA is a little better, but I mean this this guy's legit, um, and he's got a lot of weapons to throw the ball to. You know, you look at Jalen Lane, uh, the sophomore, five eight, one eighty three uh, wide receiver, uh, has twenty one catches for four hundred and ten yards and a touchdown. You look at Lane's last game against UTSA in that one game. Last Friday night had 10 catches for 179 yards. And you look at the Miami game, four catches for 130 yards. So yes. they've, they've got some weapons on the outside. 
they have some like you know big play ability you know yes. i think but i think the reason why i would say that liberty was like more dynamic because i believe it was the the, the players that made them more dynamic like i still think that demario douglas is the best receiver that we face and you know and it's probably going to be the best receiver because he is a just him as a player I think half of now, don't get me wrong, Middle Tennessee got good players like them, those weapons and that quarterback is special. But what I I think is like the more so schematic thing that, you know, that frees them up because um, one thing that they do is they keep you honest with the run game. So if you Mm -hmm. look at Miami, I think it's going to be key to make them one dimensional. So look at one big difference between like James Madison. They played week one. James Madison put it on them. Mm-hmm. Look at their rushing stats for that game. Um, James Madison shut down. It was no running. You were not going to run the ball against them. So it forced everything to go through the air, even though this is a big play offense. Just like how we have to keep them honest passing the ball and we have to hit our shots so we can create room. They have to do the same thing. It's just inverse. And um, so if we can shut down Frank Peasant and um, all these other guys that, that they'd like to get involved in the run game and we make them one dimensional to where we can just pull our ears back and they're and they are fast paced offense. We're kind of ball control. Mm-hmm. So let's say like I give you I run down it's this first down for them is incomplete sack on second down, third down, a, a three yard gain. If we can get quick three and outs on them. And then we get the ball and we, you know, we do our thing where we methodically run, run, pass, run, pass, probably run it when we, where we wanted to pass, you know, <laughs> a couple of times. And we do our methodic, move it down and then, um, you know, we score. It's, it puts a lot of pressure on big plays, big play offices because, yeah, you have the ability to have that quick strike, but when if you don't get it you have you also have the ability to do a quick three and out and you and you're giving the ball back to a team that'll wear you out because i still think we on we we are on par with um utsa was the best offensive line in conference when we don't freaking hold so (laughs) um we can really lean on guys and we can get them tired and if they if they're getting quick and uh quick three and outs or they're getting off the field quick, just trying to be explosive. It can be very dangerous for them. So um, I'm I'm excited about the clash of styles and the um, the chess match that's going to occur. Uh, I, 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 I'm wondering if David Reeves is going to really get up into the grill and challenge. Because one thing I would probably do against this team, I would attack that offensive line. I would blitz, and I would really, you know, have our receivers. I mean, have our corners play man up, play aggressive on their receivers. Don't give them time. Like if you're going to go over the top, you're going to, you're going to have to throw it quick. You're not going to have time. We're going to be on you. And so we can kind of make them, we can make it predictable to where that he doesn't sit back there. It's like, nah, we know where they're going to go. You know, and they're probably going to try to fade right here because we're not going to give you time to read. We're going to be on you. But I think our corners, you can't do that with our corners because if you give us a, if you give our corners a hint of what you're trying to do, or if we if we are dictating how you guys are gonna play offense, I think our corners are so good that 
we can cause turnovers. Like we can get after mm-hmm. you and uh, we can hold up, you know. So we'll see. I think I think I like our chances. Um, I know they'll probably hit some big ones. We'll just have to stay calm. Stay calm because that's what they do. They're, they're good at it. So just right. stay calm and, and stay disciplined and stick to the plan. And we've proved that we can do that all year. We've always stayed. We stay sound in every single game we've played, no matter what the offense did. We responded well, stay sound and stay disciplined. It's really tough for teams to move the ball and score on us. Well, Darren, you know, kind of looking at the other side of the ball for the Middle Tennessee defense, where, you know, their offensive line is kind of the weakness of the, the offense. <laughs> the defensive line is pretty much the strength of this defense. Like, so they they play a four down front, you know, a four three defense, very stout run defense, and they love to bring pressure on the opposing team. You, you look through five games, Middle Tennessee already has 19 sacks, and they're averaging nine TFLs per game. Mm-hmm. Nine TFL. So our offensive line, Darren, is definitely going to be tested this Saturday. And honestly, man, you know, looking at the last couple minutes, well, I mean, uh, those holding calls during the Rice game, but those last couple plays in the game where they sacked Dylan two or three times in a row, hey, we can't have that this Saturday because that the defensive line that UAB is facing this Saturday is a lot better than what they saw in Houston Saturday. Yeah. So this is going to be the key. No, uh, it's Children's Harbor. We. We, you know, we play for a deeper meaning and I'm expecting our guys to. I know they had challenges coming from everywhere, mm-hmm. like in order, like the mental part of the game. You know, like you said, this should be the wake up call. I, I thought all the other games was the wake up call, but this is the most sometimes people in order to take accountability. You have to you have to remove any other. Things that they can point at and say, no, it was this fault. It was this. this game was really like, hey, no, this was your fault. Like mm-hmm. the mirror, it was forced for the mirror to be up in their face to say, no, you have to lock in on the details, on the little things. It just has to matter enough to you. We know we can beat these teams. So it's really about what we do and how we execute. I feel like that we haven't been sharp at all when it comes to executing plays and you know we always do something to put ourselves back if we can execute just if a player is pulling away from you and you're blocking him let him go let him go don't tell <laughs> that's what i'm saying like so people were frustrated with these holding calls i went back and watched a few of them they were holding <laughs> so, you know like yes. when you're when you're beat and somebody's just beating you let them go don't tug on the shoulder pad and try to pull them up because when you when you do that and the back judge sees it, he's gonna throw that flag immediately because it's Every obvious you're time. holding right. Let so, him go, man. It's such a simple thing. Let him go. And it scares me because we run that outside zone a lot. So much, I know. So and uh, it, it requires you to run your feet. Like you mm-hmm. you gotta bring your feet with you. And dog, just run your feet. If you if they're pulling away from you and just run your feet, let them go and stick close by them and Maybe, maybe the running back cut back. And guess what? You're right there to wall yep. them off when they cut back. Don't. The last thing you want to do is hold them. Mm. And this drives me crazy because I look back at it. I think my whole UAB career, I didn't have one penalty. Like I didn't have a holding or nothing like that. I didn't have any cheap shots because it mattered enough. Like I, I played, I played the game in my head. Like I knew what I wanted to do. 
And if a player was getting away from me, I mean, even if you get Olay, even if you Olay a block, and the guy just run past you, man, just say, hey, watch out or something. But no, <laughs> no like, or right. just like, come on, like, we, because those holding, especially in our style of offense, they are drive killers. They Definitely. are drive killers every time. So if we, if the offense, I really think it's about what we do because while their defensive line is pretty good, especially against the pass, I think, and and they're and they're pretty stout against the run too. But I think we'll be able to, you know, open some lanes up on them, um, and we'll get our run game going. That's what just what we do. But I actually think this is a good opportunity to get some passing game going, especially if we if we have a balanced attack. James Madison had a really balanced attack. If you look at the teams that beat them. They UTSA had, did they, too, yeah. Yeah, they had a real good – even though, well, UTSA kind of came. A lot of their yardage came from their quarterback. Well, yeah, UTSA, true. Yeah, like, you know, you know, Frank Harris was just special. He was running, throwing it all on him. He was doing whatever he wanted to, to be honest. But he really exposed their – their defensive backfield is not good. I'm going to just be real. Like, <laughs> they're the anti-our defensive backfield. Now, the D-line is good. But I think if we that's why I think it's important to get that run game going. So now we can slow them down with play action. You know, like we can just just slow them down some when we get hats on hats and um we can dictate if we if we are able to dictate how we want to play offensively and defensively, we we will be good. It just has to matter enough to them. That's all. It's it's exactly. about what we do. It's about what we do. And I'm not sure what we do. I, I'm not sure at this point because we we've been brain farting all year. Mm-hmm. If we do what we are capable of doing, if we play smart, if we throw the ball, ball away in obvious situations, if we don't commit stupid penalties, if we just are sound, if we execute, man, if we execute, we can win this game by double digits. It can be a great win. If we don't execute, we can get our butts beat. Mm. Like it's just that simple. Like it's it's at it's at that time. And um I think our defense will do what they do best. And they'll probably probably keep middle Tennessee in the twenties and you know, they'll do is it is our offense. Are they mm. gonna be sound? Are they gonna be disciplined? You know, are we going to take the plays that's given to us? That's all I want to see. Like, even if they let's say they beat us physically, I I would I wouldn't. Hey, I'll be upset, but I wouldn't be frustrated. They beat us. They're a better team. They were better than Miami that day. Mm-hmm. I wonder, will we give ourselves a chance to to at least once? Let's give ourselves a chance to see who's actually the better team at football. At football, I know mental is part of the game, but man, I want to see just mano y mano. Who's the better team? Both teams are executing at a high level. Who's the better player? Let's finally. I don't want to deal with frustrating penalties. And if we do that, I feel like we just give ourselves a great, great chance, John. Yeah, well said. Uh, well, what's your official prediction, Darian? <sighs> this one is tough, man, because <laughs> it's just the. <laughs> You know the brain farts that we've been doing. It's <sighs> well. Let me let before you give your score prediction. Uh, let me ask you this: In your opinion, Darian, is this a must-win game for UAB? Oh, absolutely. 
Okay, good. I, I'm a, I agree. 100%. Homecoming, Children's Harbor. We're 2-2, two and two, and we probably just came off the most frustrating game that we've had in years. And you cannot fall to 0-2 and two and see USA play. If, if you oh. fall to 0-2, you're pretty much – I mean, I guess there still is a path to get there to the championship game, but <laughs> you you make it pretty much non-existent if you go to 0-2. Right. I think it's you just make it way too hard on yourself. So this is – this is it. Like, if it, if we are playing poker or something, this is this is the all in call. You know, this is hey, we got our chips all in. It, you know, one thing I noticed about <laughs> I saw Brian Harson say the same thing, but it becomes when you have one of those stupid losses like that, like we just had. A lot of the talk is like we got to move forward, and we got to learn. We got to move forward. We got to keep pressing. But at some point. That's not going to be the calling card. It's like, oh, we move forward, we move forward. At some point, no, that's your identity. That is who right. you are as a team. You're a team that mentally the team doesn't care enough to execute on smaller details, mm-hmm. you know? So we're going to see. Like, if if it's any game to see, this is, if we don't, if we, we win this game, we're going to have to execute on those small details. We're going to have to care enough. And then this is this is the Ford. There's no more Ford. Like, yeah, of course, it'll be the rest of the season. But if we're talking about like the expectations we wanted to meet and all the things that we were saying beforehand that we wanted to accomplish. Well, this is it. We need this one. And we need not only do we need this one, we need to show. The way and, and how we win it, if we win it, we need to show that we care and that we pay attention to the details, man. So, you give me your score prediction. <laughs> Man, okay. So, I'll be completely honest. Before I started film study, I came in, you know, Monday uh, afternoon watching film and just thinking, man. But before I watched film, I said, UAB's, I don't know, that Rice game was so tough. The loss was so tough. I don't know if they can bounce back. But after watching film and kind of studying, I really do think UAB can – I kind of agree with you – kind of win this game by double digits. Um, so I've got the official score for my prediction is UAB 38, Middle Tennessee 28. I, I know Middle is going to hit some explosive plays, but the key on defense is going to be limiting those explosive plays. Don't give up five or six explosive plays. You can give up one or two, but you if you give up five or six like Miami did – then you're going to be in for a hurt, a world full of hurt. Because, I mean, that this middle Tennessee offense is explosive. Um, I'm excited to see the, the, the UAB offensive line versus the middle Tennessee defensive line. I hope that our offensive line is up to the challenge, but I definitely can't wait to see what happens in the trenches there. Um, but, yeah, just play smart um, on defense. Don't give up many explosive plays. Get get Debo going early. Um, I'm excited to see what, what – they do with Dylan Hopkins in the passing game because they are definitely going to have to get that involved because uh, you'll, you're here in a few minutes, but with our interview with Sam, you know, when uh, middle Tennessee faces kind of a one dimensional offense, like if you, if you show that you can only be one dimensional middle Tennessee does a great job at stopping that, that one thing that you do well. So UAB is definitely going to have to come out and just get that passing game going. Um, but Definitely looking forward to seeing UAB's offensive line and how it stacks up against that front four for Middle Tennessee. Darian, what's your official prediction? Okay. Um, I'll go UAB 35, Middle Tennessee 24. 
And I'm going to say that that's the score because our offense actually cares. Like the players on the team, we've had, we've had some heart to hearts. We've had some look in the mirror moments. Hey, it's gut check time, baby. It is gut gut check check time. time. Like all of that talking, cease it. All of that moving forward. Hey, we're forward. Like, you know, this is um, this is a movie where you do the time skip. You know, <laughs> we we've time skipped to the point where it's gut check time. It's it's all the all the marbles in the, on the table right now. Like we pushed them all in, and um, we need to figure mostly because we need to figure something out, out about our identity. We're physical. We're tough. Are we smart and do we care enough? Are we smart and do we care enough? Basically, we need to figure that. Is that part of our identity or are we going to keep being this? And that's kind of honestly, it's been kind of embedded in our culture. With If you go back a couple of years, we've we blew, we've blown a, a couple of games, important games because of boneheaded plays, like just being over aggressive. Like, you know, during the Garrett Marino times, you know, he, he played oh, very yeah. physical. He was very physical, but he would do some stuff. He's like, stop killing us, please. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of been in our culture. I, I love the aggressive play. Don't get me wrong. But at some point, the means doesn't justify the ends, you know. And um, I would like to say that our coaching staff, you know, we're at, those players love Brian Vincent. They do. The team loves Brian Vincent, and so I want them to care enough for him. I want them to care enough about the program to say, hey, I need to take it upon me to execute, to care about these small details. So and make sure I just don't get flagged. Please. Like, don't don't make a one-yard gain into a 10-yard loss by getting flagged, you know. So I would say they they step up to the call. They meet that challenge. Defense does what they do, and they limit them 24 points. Um, Dylan, Dylan is able to do, throw two or three touchdowns because I just don't like their cornerbacks. And I think um, I think we show some pop, in, in the, and that's the that's the thing. It kind of overlooks that I was getting excited about. Hey, man, we got something going in the passing game against Rice, <laughs> but um, it, the, the whole game overlooked that. So I think Dylan shows some pop there. I think we get, you know, Trey, Trey, Shrop catches one or two. I think, you know, Ryan Davis or uh, Tejon Palmer get, gets one or two. And um, I think it's our passing game that that leads us to the win. I love it. Well, all right, guys. Well, we will go ahead and roll our interview that we had with Sam Doughton. Again, follow him on Twitter, SJ Doughton, and check out his work at GoBlueRaiders.com. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Blazer Victory Podcast, where we are pleased to be joined by Middle Tennessee staff writer Sam Doughton. Sam, thank you so much uh, just for taking some time with us this Monday evening just to talk some Middle Tennessee Blue Raider football. Well, John, Darian, thanks so much for having me on. Y- y'all do a great job around here. I've been listening in off and on throughout the season as we've been going through things, but really excited to talk about how the Blue Raiders have done so far and, and get into the game a little bit before we head down there. Perfect. Well, guys, if you are not following Sam on Twitter, definitely go ahead and give him a follow at SJ Doughton on Twitter and also check out his great work at GoBlueRaiders.com. And you might in a few days might get to see my name pop up in one of those articles. So fingers Mm. crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Sam, so 
let, let's talk a little bit about Middle Tennessee. So, you know, Rick Stock still, I swear, is it 15 or 16 years that he's been there now? 17. This is a 17th oh, season. <laughs> Add one more. Oh, man, I, I was going to say, he has been there a long time. And I know from the outside, sometimes he does get a little, um, you know, a little grief. But honestly, he has built a consistent program there with Middle Tennessee. Um what what are your what what's the fan base's overall like morale with Rick Stock still? And um, I don't I don't want to answer that question for you, but it's got to be good after they beat Miami, right? <laughs> it, it's certainly better than it was after Week One. Uh, I'll grant you that. Mm. Um, after after the the blowout loss to James Madison, which I think frustrated a lot of people, but the the Miami win and, and particularly how the team looked in the Miami win, where you know it wasn't a real fluky win at all. It was a really just sort of a dominant performance against the team that at least on paper had a, had a big talent advantage um, compared to where middle was. I think that renewed some faith in, in the progress here uh, of where the program is. Now, obviously after playing UTSA this past week, there's some more people wanting to take more of a wait and see approach with this season, see how middle stacks up against the rest of the conference. But right now, at least it looks like it can be pretty competitive for a conference title this year, which is something that's eluded Rick ever since he's joined at middle. And so I think that's something that's a team goal. And that's something I think certainly fans are hoping for at this point, but you know, 17 years at middle, there, there's going to be some people that are, I think are just bored for lack yeah. of a better term with it. Um, from my perspective, I think there's a lot of things at the G five level that are unrated about that sort of stability. I mean, right. you don't see that stability a lot of places in general, but when you see it, uh, particularly, particularly the G five level, it's very rarely seen. But when you have that that type of longevity, there, there's certain things about the program that just sort of run, are run automatically that you're not having to reset all the time. And it's it's worked out well for middle, which is at times a place that, you know, needs to up its facility game a little bit, which the university is certainly working on. And, and it's helped Rick maintain, a, as you said, a pretty successful program, you know, a consistent winner as far as getting to bowls, you know, the vast majority of the years he's been here. Okay. Definitely. Pretty cool. I know you brought up the the James Madison game. What do you uh, uh, attest to the such contrasting games between James Madison and Miami? Well, number one, I think James Madison's probably a better team than Miami. First mm. off, James Madison is, is uh, you know, they come in with a huge culture of winning. They, they won a lot at the FCS level. And as somebody who grew up in North Carolina and saw App State make that transition, you know, when I was getting ready to go to college, uh, that, that culture of winning is hard to stop, even when you're supposedly moving up to the next level and, you know, getting to play against better teams more consistently than they were doing in the Colonial Athletic. And James Madison so far, you know, beating App on the road, they, they, they took out Texas State pretty easily this past weekend, has shown themselves to already be one of the better G5 programs in the country right off the rip. And so I think James Madison did a lot of things really well that game and, and you know, showed that they were already ready for that transition. Mm-hmm. On top of that, the, the, from what I've heard from the coaches and players, is that James Madison underwent some schematic changes in the offseason. They brought in a new quarterback who's much more of a dual-threat quarterback than their previous quarterbacks were, and that caused them to run a lot of different offensive looks that the team just didn't see on film before. And so that certainly caught them off guard. Now, obviously, you know, some at some point you just got to make the plays and not let that be an excuse. But I think week one, those types of things can happen. And I think that probably accounts for a disparity. If the two teams were to play right now, you know, I'd probably still lean James Madison just because of the talent that they've showed, not just in, our, in the game against middle, but in, you know, the three other games. But it, I think it'd be a lot closer because there'd be more stuff on tape and 
Scott Schaefer and Mitch Stewart would be able to game scheme a little bit better than they were in during that week. Definitely. And, and Sam, not, you know, I, I didn't catch a lot of the James Madison film, but when you, you look at the box score, at least for that game, and you look at, you know, I watched the UTSA game last Friday night. It seems that both of those teams were able to run the ball against Middle Tennessee's defense. Now, in contrast, when you look at the Colorado State game, you look at the Miami game, neither one of those teams could run the ball at all on middle. So is, is it as simple as saying, like, hey, if UAB can get that ground game going and, and established against this middle team, does that favor UAB's chances on beating Middle Tennessee this Saturday? Is it as well, simple it, as that? Or it, it's it's a little bit more nuanced than that, but you, but you're pretty close, I think, to to the recipe for handling um, Middle Tennessee's defense because they are a much better run stopping team than a pass stopping team. So if you can neutralize that one strength, um, that obviously helps you a lot because the, the passing group, the secondary, is still sort of gelling together. They've got some guys in some new spots. Had a lot of turnover there this past off season, and they're getting better every game. But the, you know, there's still just just some growth that needs to be had in that part of the team. But run stopping, mostly because of a defensive line that's really uh, veteran experience and has really good gap discipline, uh, has been great for the most part throughout the season. I think that the, the nuance that might be missing when you look at the, the, between those box scores is that both James Madison and UTSA featured dual threat quarterbacks. Mm. And they got a lot of running production out of both of those guys in both of those games. Now, obviously, that opens up the the running game even more, the more traditional running game with the running back, and and the numbers were good for both of their guys there. But UTSA got a lot of their run production, particularly early, um, from Frank Harris more so than the actual running backs they had on staff. And it wasn't really until the fourth quarter when the middle defense had been out there most of the game uh, where they started to get some more success running the ball. And James Madison obviously ran the ball almost the entire second half when they were up as much as they did. So, so there's a little more nuance there. I'd say dual threat quarterbacks are the thing that Middles had a little bit tougher time with than traditional run games because, you know, Miami had a really good running performance against Texas A&M the week before, and Middle pretty much shut that down the entire game down there. So I think if you just have, a, you know, a, a, if your running game is totally built around the running back, I feel like Middles got a pretty good shot to at least slow that down a significant amount. But if you have a really good running back mixed in with a quarterback that can make something happen with their legs that's when things start to get a little dicey on the run defense side gotcha and that's hey darian that's something we you know talked about how we're going to need to get dylan going and get that pass game going to kind of open up that run game more right we we really need balance especially going against a talented middle tennessee team that when i watch film the guy that really really pops out to me is the quarterback chase cunningham um uh, what can you tell UAB fans what to expect um, from him? Uh, Chase is a total gamer at the running back position. He, he started in the middle program as a walk-on and eventually earned a scholarship through his years with the team. And he, you know, it's not, not a ton of size. I think he might, he might be listed at 5'11", um, which is pretty close, but I think some people might consider a little generous depending on who you ask. But he he's tremendous accuracy on those short-range passes. <clears throat> excuse me, tremendous action on those short range passes, which helps open up a lot of uh, things that the team wants to do in the air raid offense. And as you guys saw against Miami, one, one area for improvement for him, particularly this off season has been his deep ball accuracy. Uh, that's jumped up so much from when he left last year with, with the, a knee injury against uh, Southern Miss that, that knocked him out for the rest of the year. I um, mean, you know, he came back in camp and, that deep ball is better than I've ever seen it from him. So he, he now has the ability with the speed that middle has at wide out uh, to take the top off of defenses that aren't prepared for it. 
but also has that short accuracy game uh, to dink and dunk and, and open up some looks for the rest of the offense as well. Uh, but mostly I, I'm just impressed with, with how stoic he is. He, he never gets too high or low, no matter what's going on in the game. And, and he's faced a lot of pressure from a pretty young offensive line this year and has handled it really, really well. And I know the team really rallies around him because of that. And, and Sam, that, that was going to be where I was going next. Um, do you, this uh, O-line for middle, they've, they've already given up 11 sacks so far this year. Um, it does seem at times that uh, Chase is kind of scrambling for his life back there. I mean, but do you, do you see improvement from game one to, what is this, game five, six now, like throughout mm-hmm. the year? Or Yes, no, absolutely. You know, part of that is I think James Madison – uh, certainly has a claim for the best defensive line that Middles faced so far. UTSA was probably pretty close, but I might give the edge to the Dukes overall. And th- that's where a lot of the, the offensive problems were happening uh, up in uh, the Shenandoah Valley was the fact that the, the Chase didn't really have any time to process anything or make any reads. He, he was getting pressure constantly. And UTSA did a nice job of, of not even when they weren't getting sacks, just getting pressure which I know is something that, that Rick Stock so highlighted was a strength of the UAB defensive line unit in his press conference today is even when they are getting sacks are usually <clears throat> helping collapse the pocket, which is a really big deal. And, you know, it, it's a young group, but they've certainly improved game to game. I think they had a really great game against Miami in particular. I think they did a lot of things well. And, you know, credit to Mitch Stewart, because I think he, he's changed some things schematically where he's helping those guys have some more success doing things like quick cut blocks, you know, before quick, quick passing plays and, and other things like that to, to guarantee that Chase is going to have enough time to, to make the decision on, on certain plays where they know where the ball's going. Yes, looking at film, um, I was impressed by schematically how the offensive coordinator was able to scheme up plays to where the offensive line didn't have to hold up blocks too long. Um, and they were Chase did a good job of getting the ball out quick if it wasn't there. He was out of there. So I I, I like I like um, you guys offense. I like how you guys um, I like the passing game and I like, you know, the trust in Chase defensively. Um, I think defensively is a little different um, for you guys uh, for you guys. What do you think is the strength of the defense? Oh, it's got to be the defensive line. Um, you know, the, the linebackers have made a lot of really good growth this year, particularly from game one to game two. I thought they were they probably the biggest jump I've ever seen one unit make between multiple weeks, but the defensive line runs about eight deep. Uh, you know, I think they've got over 200 games of collegiate experience between the, you know, the guys on the two deep right now. And that shows on the field, you know, obviously Jordan Ferguson, who's the all conference defensive end, um, clear defensive player of the year candidate. He gets a lot of attention over on the right side of the defensive line, but throughout the game, you're going to see, multiple guys getting TFLs. Like, I mean, we had nine sacks against Colorado state, which was and from all over the place, linebackers and, and all sorts of defensive linemen. I mean, the, the guy who led the team in sacks that game, Quindarius Dunnigan had not recorded a sack in a collegiate game before that game. And he had two and a half that day. So that just sort of shows you the, the type of depth they have. They're a real veteran group. And that's usually one area that, that middles traditionally recruited pretty well too. They usually have pretty good size for this level and pretty good strength. And so I think I think that's going to cause problems for just about every team on their schedule. I mean, Frank Harris does a really good job of evading the rush, and I think he was sacked three times against Middle last week, which shows you, you know, sort of the strength that Middle's defensive line has, even when they're facing an offense that counters them pretty well. All right, Sam, now I'm looking at my notes. I just want to make sure that I have this uh, correct before Darian and I record our uh, preview. Is that 
correct that there's nine? This defense has 19 sacks through five games. Oh, is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. They. I believe they are. Whew. They're definitely first in the conference. I'm not sure. I think they're top 10 nationally in sacks. Um, but it they get after the quarterback. And, and, and part of that's schematics. If you look at the film, Scott Schaefer blitzes a lot um, mm-hmm. as a defensive coordinator. And obviously sometimes that just gets home. But, it, you know, it's a lot of that also just comes from the strength of that defensive line group and how they're, you know, it, it's really hard to block all four of them all game unless you're, unless you're in a lot of max protect. That's generally where teams have had success passing the ball. If you watch Colorado State when they were able to make a little bit of the run in the second half, they were mostly keeping – you know, seven guys in to block and only send the three wide outs and just hoping that somebody could get open with enough time downfield. Yes. I was wondering where you guys, are you guys young in the defensive backfield? We are pretty young, you know, Reed Blankenship um, was a, you know, all conference safety for years here at middle. He graduated this past year. He's currently on the Eagles 53 man roster. And they also were, there were some key transfers in that group too. Quincy Riley was the team's uh, number one cornerback last year. Would have been a junior this year. Now he's at Louisville. Um, a returning senior, Greg Great, decided to transfer away. He's now playing safety at Jackson State under Deion Sanders. So they, they've had a lot of turnover there. You know, Teldrick Ross was a guy that was starting at the opposite corner, at number two corner most of the last season. He's now playing free safety. And so they're having to shuffle some guys around. One guy that they're really excited about is DeCorian Patterson, who had two interceptions against Frank Harris last week. Real gutsy player, basically played through uh, a shoulder injury in that game and, and was able to come back in and make something happen. Um, they're a totally different team uh, when, when DeCorian's on the field. He, he, he's really developed into uh, a real gamer at cornerback that I think is, is going to be a big player for at least the next couple seasons. All right. So Sam flipping over back over to the offensive side of the ball, you know, the reason why Cunningham looks so good the way he does is that he has so many lethal options to throw the ball to. Um, did and I missed Stock Stills presser this morning, but did he address uh, Chisholm if he'll be able to be back for the UAB game? Because I know he had to uh, sit out the UTSA game. Yeah, Rick's not one to really talk about injuries in in those public settings um, for the most part. To, to the point where I like I've stopped asking in press conferences because I know what the answer is going to be. <laughs> right. But he, he he from my understanding from DJ is that DJ DJ's working back to it. I'm not sh- quite sure what the issue was. I heard that I think he has some sort of lingering injury that just sort of flares up every now and then. So he, he's definitely day to day. But obviously the offense looks way different when he's out there as another speed threat opposite Jalen Lane. Uh, compared to what it is when Jalen's, you know, the, the real speedster with experience on the team. There's a couple other guys that have some pretty good speed, Elijah Metcalf, uh, AJ Tony, but DJ and Jalen have the experience to go with that speed that that's made them pretty dynamic at this point in the season. And then you know, on top of that, you have Isaiah Gafings, who's a six-four slot receiver. That's by far like the 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 you know. I, I call him, you know, a unicorn, a dinosaur, whatever you want to call it, just a really unique <laughs> archetype uh, to have in an offense and sort of plays like almost like a quasi tight end role as far as how he's using a passing attack where it's a lot of, you know, check downs or, or finding space in zones uh, for, for short gains across the field. Gotcha. And, and guys, for, for UAB fans listening, uh, the reason why I asked about Chisholm is that, I mean, this was a guy that <laughs> he just had two catches against Miami, but those two catches were two touchdowns and they were 169 yards. So two catches <laughs> for 169. Yards. I mean, that is just bizarre <laughs> to think about. <laughs> that's hard to do. 
Yeah, Oof. no, he 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 went mega viral after that Miami game because he was the one on the other end of the 98 yard touchdown that that put mm-hmm. middle up three scores. And honestly, like really great play from him. You should watch the release on on the the replay of that that he has because he he does a really good job of generating space behind KJ Ivy before Ivy even realizes what's happening. Mm-hmm. And you know that's that's a lot. You know some of that's on Ivy for for not anticipating that was something that Middle might do, <laughs> but most of it's on DJ making a really good play at the line and getting open quickly. And, you know, that that's that's that killer speed he has. Uh, if you let him get behind him, I don't think anybody's catching him anywhere in college football. One thing that I think is a tone setter, and I think that we should, probably in a roundabout way, we should focus on on defense is that I think that when you guys get peasant going, number 36 to running back, it's a certain feel that you guys have on offense. It's like, um, he, well, I, I was so impressed when I saw, I was watching live when I saw him, saw you guys close out Miami basically. And he was such a dog just running downhill and he's not flashy looking like it was like no armbands, like nothing like that. It was just straight running ball, running the ball number 36. And to me, as a former offensive offensive lineman when a guy is running the ball like that he's getting physical and he's closing out the game um i think that sets a tone and sets an identity i i believe it's important it may be such a small detail but to me and you can you can see if um you agree with me or not but to me i think it's important to shut that aspect down for us to give ourselves a better chance Oh, no, no question. The team is much better when Frank's going. And, you know, I think you said it perfectly. I think his best trade as a running back is that he's somebody that can turn a two yard gain into a five yard one just off of sheer force of will. I'm um, just powering through tackles. You might be able to hold on to him, but you're not going to be able to get him down unless you get two or three more guys over there to get him down. And, and that that helps him out a ton uh, whenever he's doing things. And, and you know, he, he has good speed if you get him in space. He had an 85 yard run earlier this year. So, so he's got that game, the game-breaking ability as well. But they run him a lot between the tackles as sort of a change-up to the air raid thing. And, and when they get people out of the box spread out in that air raid, Frank can gash them. And, and if that happens, it's it becomes a really tough uh, balance to find for opposing defenses. And I think one reason that the middle struggle, particularly early against UTSA, was that, that Frank never really got going. Um, in that particular game. And if I think that's going to be a key point of the emphasis this week in practice is to try to find ways for him. And, and maybe it's Darius Bracey, who had a pretty nice game um, last week uh, to get involved in the running game. All right. Well, um, Sam, uh, you know, I told you 15 minutes before, and here we are going on 20 minutes, but this has just <laughs> been just a great interview. I swear this is the last question, but with UAB transitioning to the AAC, barring us, you know, meeting each other again in the conference championship, it seems that this will be the last time that UAB will play Middle Tennessee, at least as conference mates. But what do you gather from the Middle Tennessee fan base and department um, heading into a brand new conference USA next year? Is there excitement there that, you know, I mean, this might be, you know, obviously they're still focused on this year and, you know, trying to get to the championship this year and, and, and also other sports. But what do you gather is like the overall morale of the fan base heading into a new conference USA next year? Well, I, I think before getting into that, I do want to say that the UAB has always been a school that I know middle has enjoyed playing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you, you, you know, Western is the closest school to us and is the one that traditionally they've been in conferences with almost their entire history. So there's a lot of history and rivalry there. 
but UAB has been a school that's been a great opponent in a lot of different sports across a lot of different teams and all, you know, Olympics, basketball, football, that the middle has been able to, to measure themselves up against. And I know for me personally, I'm going to regret uh, losing that when, when y'all leave. But as far as middle in Conference USA 4.0 or, or whatever we're calling the new 19 <laughs> league next year, um, I think there's a lot of optimism for where middle can shuffle out there. You know, they, they've announced a lot of uh, capital projects, sort of like y'all did a couple of years ago. They're building a new $68 million student-athlete performance center, which is pretty much going to serve as the football base of operations in addition to housing, you know, the weight room for everybody, the training facilities, stuff like that, um, attached to Floyd Stadium. And, and that's going to really, I think, transform the whole athletic complex side of campus. So there's a lot of excitement about that. And, and quite frankly, I think there's a lot of excitement about middle's competitiveness um, in a lot of sports. I think there, there's a real opportunity where, you know, Western Kentucky and Liberty are going to be pretty much the only two schools that right now are having a lot of success in football when, you know, every the AAC six depart. And that's going to open an opportunity for middle to, to make some growth in that areas. You know, basketball is going to remain tough. And, you know, obviously, I'm really excited for the middle UAB games, particularly on the men's side this year yes. in basketball. I think that's Espe- hey, especially after that overtime thriller in the tournament. <laughs> uh, it, it's going to continue to be a really good rivalry, at least for at least for two more matchups and, and probably a third, if we're being yes. honest, in the conference tournament. But, you know, I think there's some optimism that middle, particularly on the women's side, is going to have a lot of success in the new look Conference USA basketball-wise. And that Conference USA, I think, is going to be a better basketball league when you get some of the teams that are that are leaving that, you know, historically have not put out great products year in and year out. Obviously UAB is not one of those, particularly of late, but you know, there, there's a few other schools at the bottom that just, you know, they're, they're kind of there. And I think the new CUSA, when we're adding New Mexico state, who's a really good team, Jackson state's had a lot of success at their level. And then Liberty. Yeah. That's a really strong mid-major basketball conference that I think could push for a two bid, you know, league in certain years, depending on how everybody sorts out. And so that's what's got me really excited. I'm a basketball guy, first and foremost, just because I'm from North Carolina. That's sort of where I cut my teeth. But I think middle as a whole as an athletic department is optimistic about their future and thinks that the new CUSA gives them an opportunity to, to, to make a statement. And then if there's more opportunity for realignment in the future, hopefully middle's right there um, with a little bit better resume than they had in the last cycle, um, which sort of caught middle at a bad time just because of the, the more recent success, particularly in men's basketball and football they've been experiencing up until last year. Definitely. And and I I hope going forward um, that UAB's athletic department decides to, you know, keep something going with Middle Tennessee, you know, football and basketball and also Western Kentucky. I feel like of all the schools that, you know, we're kind of leaving, you know, to go to the AAC, I am going to miss playing uh, Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky the most just because not, just be, not only because they're good programs, but because it's such an easy drive, you know, just up I-65, you know, to get to both of those schools and, I mean, you know, you mentioned it, both both programs, you know, whether it's basketball or football, we've had great games against one one, one another. Um, so I definitely hope somebody is listening and uh, schedules something down the road for sure. Well, yeah. And, you know, for me personally, you know, I'm not on the travel roster for most football games just because, you know, I could I write and, you know, you need your photo and video folks actually at the games. It's hard for them to do their job unless they're there. <laughs> but right. you, but when I took the job here at middle, you know, I was told that the two road games I get to go to are UAB and Western, you know, so usually we play one of those on the road every single year and, you know, get to go down there for the first time this weekend. And I'm really excited for it. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sad. It's going to be the, the last time for me as well, at least unless something changes in the near future, but excited to see you all down there, excited to, to watch. It's going to be a really good conference USA matchup, but I think 
you know, already at this point in the season's got, you know, a big championship implications. I think whoever comes out of this game, um, the loser is going to be facing a real uphill road the rest of the way while the other mm-hmm. gets to stay in that conversation. So stakes really couldn't be higher for, you know, the fifth game for UAB and the sixth game for Middle Tennessee at this point in the season for sure. Definitely agree. Nobody wants to start the season 0-2 in conference play. That that It doesn't eliminate you, but it, it almost kind of does, or at least it feels like it does going 0-2 to start Conference USA play. Your um, question. But, Sam, thanks again for coming on the Blazer Victory Podcast. We appreciate you, uh, UAB fans, guys. If you are not following Sam on Twitter, definitely go ahead and give him a follow at SJ Doughton, and also check out his work on GoBlueRaiders.com. Darian and I will be back to recap the Middle Tennessee game um, Saturday night. Darian, you want to go ahead and close us out, buddy? Blazer Nation, time to move forward. Excited about Saturday. Let's ride.